Julian, welcome to the show. Hey, man, thanks for having me, dude. The background looks so sick. <laughs> like everything you have back there is like very scenic. When, then you look at mine, I'm in a hotel room. So it's like, oh, hey. I feel dressed now. Now, I, I do it on the move sometimes too. Uh, I'm actually about to move studios, but uh, yeah, thanks, man. It's a uh, work in progress. It's been uh, it's been fun doing these these podcasts. You're doing them as well, so you're, you're doing them with Kendra Lust. And how do you like doing podcasts? Man, podcasts are super fun. We're in the process of starting to bring in uh, like guests, but I, I think it, it, you have to take the time to get comfortable with the person. Like if you have a co-host and a host, you have to get comfortable talking with each other, going back and forth, understanding it. But now that we're starting to bring in guests, man, it's, it's pretty fun because she brings a different perspective right. that I don't think about obviously like from her line of work but um it's just kind of cool to get the different variations of answers people would give and it's just it's not the normal style interviews or the the conversations that you typically would have on certain you know podcasts so i, I like it. it it's fun and how did that happen how, how did that go like how did that whole thing start with you and her like the the the, the meeting and then agreeing to do a podcast and then starting a podcast oh man it was kind of crazy. I actually met her on her birthday at a strip club. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I got invited out to come to a strip club. And it, they were saying, like, it was someone's birthday. Uh, a friend of mine, it was Eric Anders. He's like, hey, man, you need to come out. I was like, it's 12 o'clock at night. I didn't really want to, like, get out of bed. He's like, dude, you have to. I'm telling you, you have to. And I'm like, all right. So I leave. I get dressed. I leave. I show up to this strip club in Las Vegas. And, uh, I had no clue. Eric's phone's dead. I didn't know where it was. I'm asking the front host, walking around the strip club for like 30 minutes. I'm like, man, I'm about to leave. And the host's like, hey, just go up there and look. So I walk up and the first thing I see is like Goldberg, Mike Goldberg. I see uh, Andy Ruiz. I see um, TJ Dillashaw's manager. I see all these different like stars and celebrities. I'm like, what the hell is this? And all of a sudden she like comes up to me. Eric comes up to me and then we start talking and then from then on, we were just kind of hit it off and just was joking around back and forth, had a great chemistry that night. And then one thing led into another. She saw I did my coffee uh, talks on Instagram. We're just like, hey, let's like team up. And then now we have a Beauty and the Beast podcast. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I love your personality, dude. I was just watching on Instagram and you were filming houses. I, 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 where were you at? And like, there's these gigantic houses and you were, just, <laughs> you were just going crazy about how big these houses yeah. were. Man, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm here to watch UFC 261. Uh, I finally get a break in the schedule of training. I have a teammate, Jeff Molina, fighting. So I'm out here. I came out a couple days, and, like, I wanted to see the beach. I'm trying to get to the beach, and then for some reason I went to uh, – was it Ponte Verde? Verde? Um, it's like a beach. And, man, these houses are unreal. They're not even – like, I don't see this kind of stuff, you know, these – these people have castles on the beach, like legit castles. Like yeah, their that. house could fit my entire gym plus more. <laughs> it's like, whoa, man. It's insane. So you, you wouldn't have a house that big one day if you could? If I could, for sure. But they, they these things have to be 25 plus million dollar houses. They're on the beach. The size of these, I mean, I, they have to be like literally, I don't know, probably – I don't know, 10,000 square feet, if not more, just homes. It's, it's ridiculous. But if I had the money, yeah, I would. You, you had a really good chance. I want to get an update on that. But like you and Miley Cyrus are going back and forth. And that, dude, that's, that could have got you a house like that. It, it, how, how's that going? 
uh, I'm not going to marry in rich. That's one thing for sure. I got to build it my own. You respect it different when it's yours, you know? Um, no, her and I are, we just talk on the internet back and forth. I really have not reached out to her since, uh, before my fight. She, um, last thing we spoke about was she wants to come to a fight. She's interested. I, I told Dana and Dana's down. Um, but in all honesty, I was just focused on my fight, you know, like, I asked her to be my Valentine. She agreed to be my That's Valentine. Awesome. So I was 2021 Valentine was Miley Cyrus. Now I got to pick a new one for next year. You know, like no, keep the same this. one, dude. Stay with her. Trust me, she's awesome. <laughs> you already got the you already got the yes from like one of the hardest to get yes girls ever. Like you, I would stay with that as long as you can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's kind of fun, you know, going back and forth. Someday we'll meet, um, but like. I don't know. It's pretty cool having that opportunity to, you know, like talk to someone that I've like gone to their concert multiple times. Like I respect her a lot. I, yeah, I love her music. It's been, it's got me through a lot of like tough times, especially in the 31 months that I was injured. I would just jam out to her music as I do marathons and things like that to keep my body in shape. And, uh, it's helped out a lot. So just being able to talk to her and reach out to her, like it's amazing. And also too, I don't want to be that guy that like, constantly blows her up like hey what's up what's up you know i like those guys are right. it's like man we'll talk when we talk you know i'm in no rush yeah it, chestnut what's ironic is that song the one uh, uh the usa song the I don't, I don't know the exact name of the song what, what is it the name of the song do you know party in the party USA. in the usa yeah so that that exact song i went on a, a military uso support tour with uh kyle kingsbury uh chris lieben and we were all through like Djibouti, africa and all these crazy places and uh, for whatever reason, that song was our song of the trip. So every time somebody would click that song on their phone or whatever, we'd all have to sing it, like no matter where we were. So if we were like the middle of like some military function or like in the middle of like tour in the city where it's like all locals in the, the town center of Djibouti, Africa, or wherever we were, whoever clicked that on, and they always clicked it on at the, the craziest time, we all had to dance and sing that song. And so it's so funny when you walked out, you walked out to that song, I think I remember. Yeah. 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 Did you dance to it? Tell me you danced to it. I did, of course. We have videotape. It's, it's insane. It was the catchiest song ever, and I, we'll never forget that song from that from that whole experience. So, but anyway, congratulations on your on your last fight. Uh, huge win for you, and uh, two now at this year, which is uh, pretty cool. It's only been like half a year so far, um, and then going off a two year layoff. So it's got to feel pretty good to get this win over uh, Sam Alvey. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I'm blessed. Like, you know, my my career started off like with a huge bang you know i got the contender series i got the submission over darren stewart and then i go to fight alessio dietrico i miss weight yeah i tear my arm out in the middle of the fight i'm out for 31 months i'm sitting there i, I had like three of the worst things possible to happen like trifecta yeah. you know like everyone's still talking about your mate or your weight miss for the 31 months you're gone they just forgot about you i left on a terrible page so they forgot about you. So I had a, a, a constant battle and, you know, teaming up with James Krause over there in uh, at least some of Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri at uh, Gloria Man Fitness. Man, it, it really changed my lifestyle, changed my habit, things, changed my thought process and really helped build me back up to where I was. So, you know, I, I believe my style is the exciting entertainment style that the people have been needing for a long time, especially just my personality. Yeah. It's just a fun one, especially on the mic, I believe. But um you know, coming back in and getting two fights that put me back on the map that 
bring out that excitement where people are now talking about me. The buzz is back again. And so it's like, it, it definitely changed my life. And I'm on a, I'm on a high road right now. And it's just, I only want to keep going up. I want to train even harder so I can, you know, continue this, like this path towards the belt. Right? So I can continue this path towards the top of the mountain. And it's, man, it's a blessing. I'm so stoked. Yeah, I can tell, man. And and I love your fighting style. Like, I love I love fighters that go out there and can throw hard and get into the to the to the dog fight when they're actually getting thrown at you know and they're, they're getting punches either landing or or they're coming at their face and, and Sam Alvey was coming at you hard he was throwing bombs and you were just right in his face whether you took them and you took a few or whether they missed which a few big ones missed you were just right there in his face and I and I love that fighting style man that's like that gladiator you know just real fucking badass style. Yeah, it's definitely it's a it's a very risky style. It's a <laughs> live by the yeah. sword, die by the sword style. It's the mid range, which you know I'm developing a little bit more. I got to I got to learn how to stay on the outside, which I felt like I was moving my head a lot more in Sam. I felt like I was getting away from his punches and kept it to where it was just so close to my chin, but I was still in range to fire back. I'm still learning a lot more, um, especially you know James has been helping me a lot more to be elusive and to. Uh, you know, to not always depend on my chin because I did get caught at the end of round one and that, that thing hurt. Yeah. I've never been hit so hard in my life that my <laughs> foot, I thought my foot was broken. Oh, wow. I legitimately thought my foot was broken when Sam cracked me in the in the, the eye. I was I was stomping my foot as I was walking away. Uh-huh. Like I was backing up. I was like trying to stomp my foot because like for some reason when I was like in wrestling in high school, I bit my toes back. Yeah. So I came back up and I didn't know what to do. So I stopped my foot and then all of them just kind of snapped back forward. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, cool. It's like a natural reaction. So I thought I did that with my ankle. So I was like stomping on it. And if you ever interview James Krause, ask him within round one and two, I didn't want to say it because the commission was right there. But I looked at him. He looked at me and I looked down at my foot and I was like, oh, okay, it's not broken. But like <laughs> he was laughing about it later and uh, watched it. Watch the video. You'll see me look up, walk away from the entire, like after the exchange, I'm looking up my chest high. I will not look down because I thought my foot was dangling off. Holy shit. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's just, but I've had I've had similar with with foot stomps, but that's it. And that was that was done by my opponent. I didn't do that myself. <laughs> so that must have been a weird, a weird feeling when you know you injured yourself like that. He kicked me in the leg. So he he rocked me hit me and I went back and, and when he came in to try to get the, the, the flurry, I guess he kicked me at, like before he even came in, just a hard, oh. just shin to shin or shin to ankle kick. And then we got out of the flurry and I, I thought it was from the punch, dude. It was Must have been like a nerve or something. Yeah, it was, just, it, it just hurt. Yeah. Man. It was so weird. That's but crazy. Hey, it is, it is what it is. So you got, you got, we got seven, seven of your last eight fights you won, right? And then you got nine, nine wins, nine finishes. So, I mean, I got to ask you what you want next and, and where you want to go. It seems like the top 15 is kind of tied up right now. I mean, it seems like Whitaker wants Adesanya. I mean, this is obviously at the very top, but Vittori wants Adesanya, which I want to get your opinion on who, who you want to see fight Adesanya, just, just your opinion. But then all the way down the list, it seems like everybody's kind of tied up or, or kind of they're the sick or tied up or they got stuff going on. What, what, what are you looking at right now? Like how, how soon are you looking to get back in there? And who would you like to face next as that next step up? Um, right now I'm taking a couple of weeks off cause I have to let my hand heal. Okay. Um, it's definitely like, I can't even shake someone's hand right now cause it hurts. Uh, it hurts ridiculous. So 
um, I, I'm going to build up my skill set. I'm going to get stronger. Cool. You know, everyone's going to look at the uh, Maki Patolo fight at the beginning of the year and be like, all right, here's the game plan to beat Julian. It's wrestling. 31 month year old or 31 month off fighting right. Maki Patolo. Maki had a great game plan, but I still have to hone in on the wrestling aspect to make sure it's better. You know, you can see land size of improvement within just a month and a half. And with that, right now, I'm not a, a want. So no one want they want me, but they don't really want me. They're not looking at me. They're like, oh, this guy's here, you know, like not worry about it. There's going to be a point in time. I'm just going to keep racking up wins, get these dominant fashion wins to the point where they start looking and be like, oh, shit, here comes this guy like, oh, shit, we got to get ready. So right now they're not looking at me, and I like that. I like to be the dark horse. I've always been the dark horse of division. Um, I was a dark horse going in uh, on the Contender Series. I was a dark horse going in on the, my first UFC fight. You know, I'm the dark horse again. All of a sudden I rose. I've been in the UFC for since 2017, and all of a sudden now we're like, why is this guy? Where has this guy been? And that's the thing is we're going to keep racking up wins. doesn't matter who it is. We're going to work our way up. Once we get the top 15, they're going to know we're there. They're going to be preparing for us a longer time, and then it's just going to be too late. Yeah, it's a good game plan, man. And, you know, it works. Uh, one of the best fighters uh, in the world, you know, my teammate, John Fitch, that's exactly what he did. I mean, he got in the UFC. We were on the Ultimate Fighter. He was the only one on the team, like the main members of the team that didn't make it on the Ultimate Fighter at that time. And he had to sit back and just take fights, and he finally got in the UFC. And he just fought in the dark fights like over and over and over. If you look at the beginning of his UFC career, I mean, it was like six or seven, maybe eight fights before anybody saw him. And then he went on to be like the best, you know, number two fighter in the world for like three years. The only person that could beat that man was George St. Pierre. And they had a war. So, I mean, you're right. You got to just keep grinding up and, and, and let your work show. And, and that's definitely what, what works, man. You know, because a lot of times people just try to jump ahead too soon. And I love the fact you said you're going to work on this and you're going to work on that. You're going to take time off. Like a lot of guys try to jump ahead too soon. And then they, they, you know, they run into to skids like, like Holland, for instance, he was on, he had a lot of hype, you know, and then now he's on a skid. He, he had some big fights and, and now he's kind of set back a little bit um, with your personality, man. And your character, it's like you, you can go a long ways. I, I love your personality. I love your, your character. It, you know, you, you keep racking up wins and, and, and fighting good, man. You could be a big star. Yeah, that, that's the, you know, that's the goal. Like, obviously, the main goal is to be a champion. But in the process is to get, you know, your life set up. And, uh, you know, if we're going to talk, let's like talk about Kevin Holland, Kevin Holland's setting up his life. Most people don't really realize that like he jumped into the UFC. He's fighting legit. He can go down to 70 and be a dominant 70 pounder, super strong, long. I think his wrestling, uh, defense would be even better at 70 because of the strength difference that he has at 85. He walks around like 83 pounds, 183, oh, wow. 185. So like he doesn't really have to cut weight. But he's just taking all these short notice fights, racking in his paycheck. You know, the amount of money Dana said he made in 2020 with all of his wins is over a half a million dollars. Damn. You're talking to a guy that prior to that probably wasn't making anything. And we had a, a conversation. He said, I was planning on fighting the in Dana White Contender Series, make that money and go back to the trap house. That's literally what he said. Hilarious kid. But it's like, <laughs> you know, he changed his life by the fighting style yeah. he has. And I think it's good that he takes these short notice fights. But again, I think he's a, he's an anomaly when it comes to taking short notice fights. But like Edmund Shabazian, right? He got rushed all the way up, 
and he finally went against somebody, and now we know, all right, take Edmund into the third and take him grappling. If you can stop his combinations, you'll get him tired. He doesn't know how to fight in the third. Um, and if you look at a lot of these like stars that they want to push hard, push heavy, and keep going up to the top, there's a few that shine out. Israel Asanya, Paulo Costo, um, those stars definitely shine out. I'm, I'm looking at my division mainly. But, uh, you know, it, you have to build it up. Like, I, I have to build my career up correctly. I have to be ready for when the time happens because when it happens, you're in the firefight. And if you're not ready in the firefight, it's it's over. Yeah. Um, Kamar Usman had how many wins did he have before he had the belt? Yeah, a lot. And he had like nine wins, eight wins before he went in and challenged the belt. Like, everyone just was laughing at him like this, that, and the other. But he took his way to, to get his financial status um, set up his grappling to the level that it needed to be, his striking to the level that it needed to be. You know, we finally saw his striking against Kobe, Kobe Covington versus uh, Kamar Usman. When we saw that, that was the first time we saw his striking on display. Other than that, we saw his wrestling. Yeah. And it's no one realized he had that like great of striking because he's been wrestling everybody. And then when they're like, oh, he's just he's going to get beat up. And then all of a sudden we see his striking. It's like, that's what I mean that you need to develop during the times where people don't think you have it. Right. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're on the right, the right track there. And I think someone to thank for that, in my opinion, and you can confirm this, uh, Mr. James Krause, who was on my podcast as well. What a great guy. What a great fighter. What a great coach. How has it been uh, having him coach you? He seems like just such an overall great person and definitely a great dedicated coach who really cares about his fighters. How was it training with him and, and, and having him as your coach? Man, Look, this is one thing that, like, I never really understood coaching, you know, and let me explain this to you. So I worked with James Pryor when I first started my career out. He was my first coach. Mm -hmm. Him and Brian Davidson were my first coach. And then we started growing. The gyms bought everything. And then, you know, after um, my mom passed in 2014, I made a decision that I was going to go venture out. And I left to Vegas, had multiple coaches in Vegas, and in that time, something happened with him that changed and something happened with me, you know? And when I deal with coaches, like, it's more like, all right, we're going to, okay, we're going to do this. This is how you're going to, oh, you're going to knock this fool out. Oh, this is what we're going to do. The game plan, there really isn't like a game plan. <laughs> it's just an idea. Yeah. It's a concept. Right. You go, you're talking about, oh, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to set this up. And then you work on like a couple things and you go in, you don't have like a strategic plan going in so like every one of my fights i went in and i just i've won because of my own thoughts and like just adjusting on the fly and, and listening to what people have when i got the head kick knockout on contender series it was adjustment on the fly like no one saw that coming right. i just i saw it in there and i was like all right let me throw this you know when i got the guillotine no one taught me that guillotine or, or saw me to put it in they weren't teaching me that prior to that fight um on darren stewart and it was like that it was just i never had a, a system i never had an idea what it was so when i came to james he broke me down like the old marine style or the military style or army style whenever you go into like the basic training they break you down yeah. basically say everything you've ever done you need to change. You got to do all everything different. So he put me on a schedule that was 100% you're going to fail. Legit, 100%. I, I, I should not have passed with flying colors the way I did. But it was like, you got you can't be late. If you're late, you're out. By one minute, we're kicking you out. If you're, um, 
you know, if you miss practice, don't bother coming back. You show up on this day at this time. Um, I don't care if anyone's sick. I don't care if this, that, and the other's happening. You show up here. Um, and then, like, you have to eat here. You have to send me your weight every morning. Uh, you have to go to bed at, like, a certain time. Like, it was, like, legit everything cycled in. And it was uh, it was wild to get, like, that type of – that type of attention. It was a two week trial. They gave me a two week trial to join the gym. So, and so it was just kind of wild when it came to that. And I did everything that he wanted me to, to the point where he's like, all right, come live with me. And when I got to live with him for three months while I was getting ready for my first fight, I got to see how he coaches. And it's the craziest thing in the world because I've never seen someone do what he does. Never, never seen a coach, never even heard of a coach. He wakes up at four or five o'clock in the morning and say, if Mike, you're fighting, he'll look at your opponent and he'll sit there on the computer watching your opponent for hours and he'll look at stuff and just, he won't write anything down. He'll look at movement. He'll look at stuff and he'll just go through the whole cycle and write it. And then he's like, okay. And he'll, he'll learn on the fly, like right there. And then, all right. And then you have to meet with him. He's like, all right. Your opponent does this very well, but your opponent is susceptible to this very well. He's like, let's try a mixture of, you know, whenever he does this very well, we know it's going to happen. And this is how you're going to capitalize on it. So then he trains you to defeat that person in the best. And like, it's just like a chess player. And uh, in the way to communicate with him and like he communicate with you, he made you take a personality test. So he understands your personality. He understands how to talk to you in the cage, how to talk to you outside the cage, how to teach you because there's certain different personalities that you learn different. You understand things different. Um, We can both have the same exact thing explained to us, but you might have to have the, uh, you know, the overall picture. I might have to have just the small details to really understand it. We had the same information, but only went one way, you know, like, and he just breaks everything down and, I might be talking a little too long about him, but no, it's just good. It's crazy how how he cares that much. Yeah, and uh, and I truly trust him. Like when I'm in the like when I'm in the octagon, and I'm down two rounds, and it's like, hey man, it's either you're gonna get knocked out or you're gonna win. Like you can win this fight, you won't get knocked out. Do this. All right, I'll do it. It's like I I, I believe in everything he says. I believe what he what his thoughts are. I believe in him. I believe in what his journey is towards me. And I feel the amount of love that he cares for by the dedication that he gives towards me. So it's just, it's cool to have a coach that matches that same exact uh, intensity and same exact, you know, uh, level of want. I want to be a champion. He wants me to be a champion. If I want to work out 10 days in a row, he'll work out 11 days. I love that. Yeah, he seems that way. And I remember between rounds one and two in the Alvy fight, he came or he sat down or you sat down and he came to you and he said, you know, look, I think you won the first round, but it could be 50-50, you know, so let's go ahead and pick it up. Let's do this. Get his back on the wall, whatever the case. Um, and I've, I've heard some weird, uh, predictions of what, you know, <laughs> what they, what, what coaches have said to their fighters, good or bad during that time. But that was a very honest assessment that he, you know, he was being, it was almost like a, a heart to heart. You know, he, he said it in a very caring way. Like, look, man, I think you're ahead. I think you're winning this fight and, and you're doing okay, but th- let's just go with 50, 50 and let's get out there and, and do a little bit better this round. You know, and it was, it was, you could just tell there was a lot of care in that his voice when he said that it was very sincere. 
Oh yeah, man. It's, uh, it's true, man. I'll never forget. I, I hear, I hear James a lot and into my career, I've trusted him in the beginning of my career, even though I left, um, I hear him a lot in the cage and it's funny. I'm laughing because there's times where like, he'll tell me to stop doing something that I think is working. Yeah. Like when I was fighting Maka, Maki, we joke around because all he was saying, like in the third round, I was throwing kicks and I was just off balance. I just wasn't feeling my striking. And he was just yelling, stop fucking kicking. And the moment I was like, okay, I'll stop kicking. He said, just punch. And that's all I hear out of his corner. And I start punching and it led the cycle to, to get the victory. And it's just like, he tells you how it is. And that's all I need to do. It's either this is what you need to do. This is how you should do it. He's been in the game for 15 plus years. He's fought some of the yeah. best, if not the best strikers, mm -hmm. grapplers across the world. He still has the same uh, game plans for – I shouldn't say he still has the same game plans, but he still tests his you know, theories and tests everything in the octagon against these high world-class uh, strikers and, and grapplers. So, like, why wouldn't you trust what he says? Yeah. You know, it's like – it's not like – your coach has never stepped in the octagon or your coach, you know, was a, a fighter back in 2018. This person still fights to this day against top talent. And he tells you exactly how it is. And it's either you, you ride with them or you don't, there's no in between. If you don't want to listen to him, then, then don't, then he doesn't want to coach you type deal. I mean, he jumped in there and he, he came, he was coming off of a, a big win over Claudio Silva last year. And, and that's a tough guy. I mean, he's like 14 and two or something like that. He was like, he was on a crazy win streak and, and Krauss beat him. And it seems like to me almost he does it. I mean, his passion's coaching. It seems to me like he just wants to be that leader that leads from the front, you know what I mean? Like, and goes out there and, 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 and shows that he's about it and that he's, he's still a real fighter. And that's why, you know, he should be leading. And, and it just seems that that kind of reason for me that he goes out there. And it's not, not that he's trying to, accomplish a career anymore he just goes out there and he fights tough guys and he wins and he does good just to kind of seems like just to kind of do it you know maybe he just loves to fight every once in a while and but his passion's obviously coaching but he just seems like that leader that leads from the front and wants to to show everybody and show you guys and motivate you guys that that he is a, a true fighter don't forget you know yeah no he is he, he definitely uh, we have a thing and i don't know if every gym has it but there's a pecking order yeah and you just know the pecking order in the gym like you just know this 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 how it's gonna go and there's always that top dog and everyone's trying to go after the top dog in the pecking order and let's just say it's his gym so he is the he is the top dog and to be honest he is he's a yeah. it's crazy how how good he is and most people don't really recognize it but like in the pecking order man he, he'll come here and he'll just work with you and people think that like okay like yeah i, I can i can take james and then he turns it up and you're just like how does it like he just has world championship like jujitsu. He has, you know, high level striking. He has IQ. He knows everything you're going to do before you do it. And that's why he takes these short notice fights, you know, like the fight with Trevin Giles, for instance, 24 hours notice went up a weight class. Arguably, I believe he won that round. I don't know how the judge gave the first round to Trevin, yeah. but he beat a middleweight at a higher weight class than he is in less than 24 hours notice like so in his cardio like he has his cardio there it's like he's not out of shape yeah. he's not tired he he beat world-class jiu-jitsu five-time world-class jiu-jitsu uh practitioners back-to-back -back. claudio silva uh sergio Marais, like and he's just dominating these people with 
just like the most easiest. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, yeah. man. It's so weird. It's like he knows what everyone's going to do. And and that's the type of person he is. Like he would love to fight more, but it's so hard to fight if you have a team under you. Absolutely. You're trying to build up. So he's got to take these short notice fights against these tough type contenders. All right, everybody. Are you ready to save 20% and get free shipping on the best below the waist men's grooming product on the market? If you are, I'm talking about Manscaped. M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. You can go there right now, enter code QUICK, and get 20% off and free shipping. That's code QUICK, my nickname, easy. Uh, You support the podcast and you save money. Manscaped is precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and now they're available in Europe, Canada, and Australia, and also the official sponsor of the UFC and the official sponsor of the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast, and yours truly. I use the products. I love the products. They're awesome. The lawnmower's got like a flashlight on it. It's, it's insane. I, mean, I don't want to get into too much details because it's, it's kind of private, but uh, they are fantastic products. And uh, like I said, you can save money. You can support the podcast. Manscaped.com, code QUICK, 20% off, and free shipping. You, you mentioned that you wrestled in high school, right? You said you wrestled in high school. What, what got you in yeah, martial arts? Like, like, like what was your, when you were growing up as a kid and, and you're from Missouri and stuff, right? Um, what, what started you in martial arts? Like what, what, what was that turning point where you're like, I'm going to get into combat sports and then, and then what progressed you into doing it professionally? Man, so I'm a Cuban-American, right. and my family's super close. Like I'm telling you, when you wake up in the morning, like going to high school or going to school, like as a kid, You'll wake up, come downstairs, and you'll have another, like, tia, tio, uh, aunt, uncle, cousin. They'll, they'll just have family. are always there. Yeah. So our family was one of the first um, Cuban families in Missouri, in Kansas City, to reunite all the immediate families from Cuba. So we were slowly smuggling in our family members to the United States from Cuba, and they would live with us. And then that we would get build them up enough to where they could buy their own, you know, apartment and have their family live there. And then we're bringing the next. So we just have everyone there. Our family was so tight, close. Yeah. And Cubans, we love athletic sports. So boxing was one of the biggest things in the time. And we would throw a party for everything, man. Like, dude, if you got an A on a test, let's party. go. Around. We're gonna have a party. <laughs> we're gonna have some coffee. We're gonna have cerveza. We're gonna drink a little cake. For what is he got an A? Mike got an A on his test. We're gonna party. <laughs> We're gonna cook out. So uh, some of the biggest nights that I remember growing up was these big boxing events that we'd have. Oscar De La Hoya voice Floyd Mayweather. I mean, even Tank Abbott when he was going in yeah. there in the, the old days and and Pride time. And uh, we would just get together and just have these giant parties. And I always was like, man, I really want. Like, I just like, I want to be that guy that my family gets together and just like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like just throws a sweet little party for it. And, uh, that's like kind of what, what drove me into it. So I got into wrestling cause I was in, uh, sixth or seventh grade. I was going to do basketball and my dad's like, dude, this little prick needs, you know, guidance. He needs something different. And, uh, my special ed teacher uh, was actually the wrestling coach. And my dad's like, oh, you're the wrestling coach? He's like, all right. He's doing wrestling with you. Help him out. So uh, Mr. Todd was his name. He was like a bodybuilder. Like, not even a bodybuilder. He was a strong man. Like, he would do the Atlas balls. This guy was like, it was just, he was not human. Yeah. You know, I'm in seventh grade, and this dude's like ginormous, like country boy that picks up 350-pound Atlas ball. So 
he's our wrestling coach and teaches us. And that kind of just went into like what it was. Like I thought I was getting to WWE Stone Cold Stunner. I thought I'm going to practice how to jump off the top rope onto somebody. Like I, wrestling was completely different. Yeah. And then I in love with that. And uh, I, I, I went to high school, got in trouble, kicked off the team multiple times. So I never got to experience the full on, you know, wrestling deal, but I still wrestled. It still kept me going. And uh, college, same thing. I was in college, tore my knee out, got kicked out of college. And just, I was a shit kid, man. Just terrible. And got kicked out of college, had nothing going on. I looked up at Anderson Silva. He knocked out. Um, this was 2010. I'm trying to think who he knocked out. It might have been Vitor Belfort um, at the time with the yeah, the front kick. Yeah, um, he knocked out a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, but I'm trying to sit there and think. I was inside of Snap Fitness. You remember Jack, the the pre workout? I think so. It's like a it's like Everyone a supplement. Jack, but it was jacked. And uh, anyways, it had like this pre workout. Dude, they, they banned it because it had like meth inside oh, yeah, of it yeah, yeah. it was just it was not safe but anyways i would like take two scoops of this after work at like three o'clock <laughs> in the morning and i'd just lift for hours and i remember seeing like a highlight reel on uh at snap fitness of like yeah man like i can do this like i can knock out anderson silva and uh i went to sleep that night at like i don't know 10 a.m or 10 yeah 10 a.m went to sleep and then at uh at four o'clock, one of my friends called me and said, what are you doing? I was like, I'm waking up. And he goes, this gym out here is looking for, uh, looking for fighters. They are, they're looking for wrestlers. Um, it's a fight gym. You're coming with me. I was like, okay, like, where are you at? He goes, I'm outside your house. He's like, come outside. Didn't even give me a chance. And I went there, jumped in the car with him. He took me out to Lee Summit, Missouri at K2L Grindhouse. And legit just fell in love with this like fighting style. Like I didn't have anything, you know what I mean? I was working, yeah. taking jack, lifting weights. and <laughs> jack till 10 in the morning. Yeah, dude, it was just like getting, just doing dumb stuff. Like, and I wasn't, I had no guidance. I wasn't wrestling. I was taking two classes at a community college, just getting education that I don't even use and paying money with no, no like endpoint, no idea what I wanted. And the moment I walked into that gym, I was like, this is what I want. This yeah. is what I want to do. And that was just pretty much how the, how the life went. And then you, you're undefeated as an amateur, and then you, you were fighting, obviously, and doing really well. What was the turning point to get you on the Contender Series? Like, what happened to get you accepted onto that show where you got your huge break, obviously, and got in UFC? Well, I, I lost in uh, Bellator. Um, that was like I was living in Kansas City. I was going up to Vegas at Syndicate. And uh, – you know, I just didn't, I didn't like, like the management. I wanted to figure this out. I was like, look, to, in order to do something, you have to go to the Mecca. Right. Um, my friend in the Mecca, Las Vegas is the Mecca yeah. of, of fighting. So my friend lived in Vegas at the time and he, he flew me out and said, Hey, he worked on the, like, he was a crab fisher. So he would leave six months at a time, but he would leave his family back. And he's like, Hey, I want someone here to protect my family. He's like, you don't have to pay rent. So you just be here to support my family, help out. I said, okay. Yeah. So he gave us a place. Like I didn't have to for a while until I got on my feet. I didn't have to pay any rent. I went out there, uh, lived with him and his family. He was out on the fisher boats. I was training at syndicate and just, uh, when I, when a fight would come up, I was a yes man. Right. So I took a fight on nine days notice, said yes. Took a fight on, uh, like three weeks notice. I said yes. And it, that was a Matt Hamill fight. 
got Matt Hamill and took a fight with a little bit longer notice. Uh, that was against um, Cameron Olsen. And I got the knockout, and I was at a, a, a restaurant, and they called me. I was eating food, and they're like, hey, you know, we got a question. You know, this is Mick. We have a question Man, for yeah. you. Um, yeah, he's like, do you want to fight? Uh, do you want to fight Phil Haas at this weight? Or he said somebody else at 205. I was like, no, nah, I'll fight this guy at this weight. And I hadn't made 85 in a long time. I was like, I'll fight Phil. And they're like, okay, like, are you sure you want to go to 85? Like, we know you're 205. I was like, yeah, I'll fight Phil. So, okay. He's like, just don't say anything to anybody. So I was like, all right. I shut my mouth the whole entire time. Everybody's asking me, all the reporters. I just trained in silence, no interviews, nothing. And then all of a sudden, John Jones knocks out DC with the head kick. And all of a sudden, you see my name pop up on the screen right after the main event against Phil Hawes for that Tuesday. And it was probably the coolest feeling in the world. Yeah. I can, I can imagine, man. I remember those, those first moments like that. Um, let me see, just real quick, just because you're, you're, you got such a uh, interesting personality and I'm sure your thoughts are quite as interesting as your personality is. So when, you know, when I was in the octagon and I fought oftentimes when you're out there, Bruce is announcing your name or you're just sitting in there. Sometimes even during the fight, you have weird thoughts, like crazy thoughts or something that has nothing to do with the fight at all. Do you have any memory of just some weird thought or maybe it's just like, uh, hard to believe that you're there or or that you're just like i don't know i'm just just wondering if you have any thoughts you remember while you're out there in your ufc career uh in the octagon that have nothing to do with the fight itself that's just like a, a crazy thought that you still remember today because uh, i have a few of them man it's crazy um like in the back room i have wild thoughts just random yeah. random it's things like i yeah. thought like miley when I was walking out to Miley, I was like, okay, I'm going to call out Miley and be my Valentine's. It's weird like, to think about this That was legit yeah. in the back, the back room before we walked out. But when I step into the octagon, like, I try to tell people it's so weird, but, like, I don't – it's not me. Like, I'm not saying I have split personality or nothing. you got to like, morph a little bit. Yeah, something comes out and was like – and it's just – it's a different person, different mentality, different – when I look at somebody, like, I feel like I'm dormant and I just, I, I can't explain what it is. But when I go there, I, I'm finally able to release like the true personality, the person that's been hiding and like wants to just not hurt everybody, but wants to compete, wants to go out there. So my thoughts on there is when I look at my opponent, I'm like, all right, I'll look at him the same way. Like Mike Tyson looked at his opponent. I'm like, all right, this guy's going to give, he's like, all right, he's got a round in him. He's got five minutes in him. All right, he's going to be a tough one. All right, let's break him. Yeah. How are we going to break him? Where is he? And I'll just find kinks in his armor as I'm walking there looking him down. I was like, okay, there it is. And then I find it, and I attack that the whole entire fight. And uh, with me, like, when I look at fighters like Sam Alvey, I, I remember looking at him, and I was like, uh, he did something. I was like, it's his breath. He can't breathe. I was like, okay, he's not going to have any cardio. I was like, all right, let's push the pace. Let's get him to faint. Let's get him. Let's attack his body. Let's take his breath away. And that's all I was doing the whole fight was attacking his body. We didn't plan on throwing those consistent jabs out. They yeah. all asked me afterwards, like, why did you do that? I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. But it was just like I would see something in there. And it was right then. It's like a tell. And it says, hey, do this. And that's all I would go after the whole fight. And uh, with the Maki fight, I was like, all right, he's going to come at me strong. 
I'm like, all right, just, just be calm, remain calm. I was like, oh, okay. And, and he did something. I was like, okay, chokes. He's a, he's, he's susceptible to chokes. And I don't know what it is. They're like weird thoughts that come through my head. And, uh, in the fight, they just tell me what he goes after. And if you look at a fight, they're like, oh, Julian's going off of his front choke. You know, even Joe Rogan said, it's like, it's not because like I go for chokes. I don't submit anybody in the gym. Like I don't go for submissions. It's just, I, I see something that they give. It's a tell that they give beforehand and that I got capitalized on it. Do you see, is that weird? No. No, no, absolutely not. And I think people would ha would be shocked if they knew some of the things we think about, like backstage, walking out, and in the octagon, because it's been some weird thoughts that, like, I definitely know that there's nobody that could possibly understand how we, how those thoughts come in our head. And I think it's a mixture of like nerves and and being in in, in a in an environment that your adrenaline. So your body's in a in a weird state, and so your brain is definitely for sure reacting different than normal. And so those thoughts just happen and weird, weird thoughts. But anyway, I'll get back on track here. So Adesanya, cause I know you, huh? Tell me your weird thoughts. Come on. You can't leave me with like telling you some weird thoughts. Let me hear your weird. Oh thoughts. man. Dude, so many, like, like, uh, one time I was trying to figure out, uh, like I had an issue with Bruce Buffer's, uh, suit. Like it was like just so miscolored and I just couldn't get over. Like, I'm like, man, this is like my night, man. And like, what did, what is that? Like, I love his suits. And I'm like, I'm like kind of a fashion kind of guy, but it was just such a weird, uh, you know, it wasn't weird. It was just, I was trying to figure it out. And I was, my thought was more in his suit than anything else. And then like, it seems like so fast the fight started. And then I was like fighting, you know, I was face punching this guy. Um, and then I also thumbed myself in the eye one time. I was, I had my hands up and I was fighting somebody. I forgot who it was. I think it was Berkman. Um, and I blocked a punch or whatever, and it and it caused my own thumb to go in my eye, and my eye went completely black. Like I blacked my eye completely. I couldn't see anything, and I felt like so stupid because I just like poked myself in the eye. And I just I just remember thinking like how stupid I felt more than the concern of like not being able to see and get through that round, which was like two or three minutes left. Um, and it was I mean, you still had one eye, so it was fine. It was just one of instinct and and, and fighting, and and just it, it didn't affect much, but. It was interesting that the concern I had was how stupid I felt that I thumbed my eye, even though nobody saw it and nobody knew, but I just felt really stupid about it. So little things like that, like I could go on all day, but it was little, little things. But let me ask you real fast, because you mentioned Anderson Silva was kind of a guy that you initially wanted to kind of knock out in your career. And there's no Anderson Silva anymore, obviously, but there is, there is an Adesanya, and Adesanya is a very, very close uh, – yeah, replica, I guess, of Anderson Silva. He's kind of like the new sort of Anderson Silva, and he's in your division. Is it, do you see him as kind of like your Anderson Silva now, like that you want to get to and defeat and, and kind of live out that whole kind of thing that you sort of – I mean, it's kind of like living out what you initially said. It's just a different person, but they're very similar. Yeah, for sure. So this is the thing is that like I believe we idolize people too much to where we create this um, – Pedestal. We create this mental block in your head. So what I mean by this is that like if anyone asks you like your favorite actor and you can go in and express like all the stuff that they do, all the things that were reasons why they make you like a famous actor outside the deal. Like you're putting so much focus on that person and you're taking away the focus of yourself. Like literally, like if that person was not at the place that they are, would you pay attention to them? And the answer is no. You're trying to live your life like them. You're trying to be everything like them. And to me, I focus on myself. And wow. now Israel, I think he is amazing. His striking, his awareness in the cage, his movement, um, his just 
concepts of, you know, defense are, are phenomenal. Yeah. And then his yeah. personality outside the octagon. I, I think he's gotten a little bit of loose and careless with some of the things he says, yeah. um, <laughs> especially at the time uh, during the times that we are right now. Like, but I believe that he he's actually a he's super intelligent. Yeah. The, what he's done and everything he he's doing the division amazing by trying to go challenge, becoming more of a popularity because the more money he makes, the more money the division makes. The same thing at 155 with Conor McGregor. The more money he made, the more money 155 now brings. So he's doing us justice by building it up. And I think it's amazing. But I don't know a lot about him. I won't go into and sit there and be like, oh, this is what he does outside. This is what he is. Like everything is new. I don't focus on him. I focus on the status of the championship. Because anything can happen. We never saw Chris. We never thought Chris Weidman was going to throw a weird three and knock out Anderson Silva. And then on the return, we never thought Chris Weidman was going to check a kick and it was going to snap. Um, Anderson Silva's like, like no one thought this stuff was going to happen prior. And I'm not saying that Israel Adesanya is going to end up, you know, he's going to end up losing the middleweight belt by the time that I get there. But I am saying is that belt is always going to change hands regardless of who's there. So I don't go after the person I go after the belt and I want the championship status. So if Israel's there at the time that I'm there, I'll be ready for it. Um, if it's somebody else that has it at the time that I'm there, I'm going to be ready for them because I'm focusing on myself and making myself to that championship status to where whenever I fight the champion, I'm already the champion at the time. Yeah. Mentally. Oh, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And and you're focused on, on the goal. And, and the goal is definitely the belt. It doesn't matter who has it. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here AKA Thailand is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys i know everybody wants to go to thailand because thailand's so cool but you can't come to thailand without coming to aka thailand come on uh what did you think about the ben Askren jake paul fight in general like uh what were your thoughts before that fight happened uh did it turn out how you thought and then what do you think about this whole Jake Paul thing and, 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 and him as a fighter, person, personality, whatever, and this whole crossover thing? Like, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I think it's amazing. Look, this is like people are so butthurt about all this stuff. Like at the end of the day, the kid is intelligent. The kid put work in doing whatever it is he does on YouTube. He has millions of fans on YouTube from whatever he did. Yeah. It's the same thing as a fighter that gets to the championship status. They did whatever they could to get there. This guy just had a different game plan. You're not going to be mad at a, a CEO of Amazon because he did all the stuff that he did to get where it's at. And he's, utilize, he's utilizing that fame. So he calls out people that really can't box. And he can't box either. He has some great fundamental sound, like amateur boxing. And you have to give the credit. You could see it um, in his striking. I, I follow Ellie Setback, 
um, who is a huge reporter in the boxing world. I talk to him a lot. He posts videos of all these like behind the scenes boxing footage of people in their upcoming fight. Look, the, the guy's been in the boxing gym. He, he's working. He's doing good. He's got some talent, but he's fighting Ben Askren, who's a 70-pounder. That's what you do. You go in there. You fight these people to make your marketing. Have people hate you. Have, call out all this stuff and make a crap load of money. Grab the money and run. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. It doesn't matter, oh, you need to fight a new boxer. No, I think he needs to fight someone that's not a boxer. That way he can go in there, he can knock them out, he can finish it and get more money. Now look, what is it, Timo Filo um, Lopez is fighting on Thriller, June, I think June 6th. He has his fight. And I think the undercard is Jake Paul and Floyd Mayweather. Now look at this. That just now brought more eyes to that, that bout with Timo Filo Lopez. It brought more eyes to his fight because of these two celebrity fights. And it, it's, I need that. I can't be watching Marvin Vittori versus, or Marvin Vittori versus, uh, you know, Kevin Holland five times in a row. I can't watch um, Israel Asanya versus, uh, who is our two of our, Jan Blakovich. I can't watch that five times in a row. Those are too serious of a fight. Like, I can't watch that. Like, my nerves, my, my emotion of the fighter in me can't take yeah. that. I need something to wash that fight out. So then you got Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. Okay, like it doesn't matter who wins. Like I'm, I'm interested in just seeing the, just like oh let's here go here let's read the comments what people say and it's just going crazy. I think it's smart. I think it's awesome. The kid's doing great. Uh, if he does decide to fight someone with a bigger name that has striking, good for it. But I wouldn't if I were him. I'd call out. I think Dylan Danis. I would yeah. call him out. <laughs> Seems like you know a nice I mean? move. Like, you'll knock him out. You'll get more people mad. You have more people sit there. They'll call him fake. But dude, he at the end of the day, on every Monday after those fights, he's cashing in a fat check. So it's like, if you're getting hurt by him doing what he's doing, then that is your own personality. You need to change your life. You know what I mean? You need to go do something like that. Like, it's who cares, man? Yeah. I was such a fighter for so long and like grew up so like disciplined and, and, and all about the fight and martial arts and respect. So it's like, it's hard to get used to people disrespecting martial artists and the way he attacked MMA fighters and stuff like that. So I, I was one of the ones who was a little butthurt with how, how disrespectful he was toward uh, the, us in general as fighters and how he could just come in and, and beat us by dragging uh, the ones of us that have least the least amount of striking into his game and then beating him and then saying that he could beat us all. And then it sucks and I hate him for it. But um, the more I researched since the Askren fight and seen the, the stats and the accomplishments and what he's done and researched him as far as he has a whole business side to him that people don't know about. Like he's like an investment guy with and he has a partner. that's made, He's worth more than Logan Paul. You know what I mean? Like he's more, worth more than his brother. And like the more I, I do research on him, it's like, I mean, it's hard to, it's, it's kind of hard to knock him. Yeah, I mean, it, if he can get away with it and like, it, he's winning, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's winning. So it's like, people's going to be mad no matter how, no matter who, who you are, how nice you are. If you're successful and you're making a shit ton of money and living a good life, you're going to have haters no matter what, even if you're the nicest guy in the world. So what's the difference if he's just an asshole and he picks easy opponents and because it works, you know, it works. And it's, so it's like, I hate it. 
but I'm, I'm starting to like have more respect for his game because I think he's playing the game and I think he's doing for boxing what needs to have been done a long time ago as far as I've never been interested in boxing fights. And this is what really brought me to this conclusion after the Askren fight because I wanted Askren to win just for the, the sake of our sport and, and, and his, his, his accomplishments. But uh, for, for boxing, even Canelo and these guys, I'm not interested in watching boxing at all. I don't care about any of those fights, but I won't miss a Jake Paul fight. Like from now on, like I will literally, I won't miss a Jake Paul fight no matter who he fights. So that has to tell you something, right? So there's got to be something there. And so he's doing something right. So, I mean, I'm, he's changed my tune a little bit from, from, <laughs> from being, and, and so I'm, now I'm just like, now I'm just here for the show, I guess, you know? You got to look at it like this. So like prior to Conor McGregor on his come up, everyone hated Conor McGregor, yeah. right? He was knocking people out. Everyone's saying the same exact things that they're saying to Conor McGregor that they are saying to Jake Paul. And then now look at Conor doing all the things he does. It, it's terrible in this sport, but you have to understand this sport, hate travels faster than love. Yeah, for sure. In this sport. Now, you, I want people to hate me. I really do. I want people to hate me. And I want them to look at, man, dude, this guy's post-fight speech sucks. This guy blew it with Miley, but like none of it is like, man, this guy's a terrible person. Yeah. This guy's this like, you'll watch my fight because you know, it's exciting. And you're like, damn it. Here comes a, a cringy ass, random ass, like speech. Like this guy sucks. But like, even though you were just completely entertained by the fight that would just happen, you're just going to hate me for something that's not real. Something that you shouldn't hate somebody for. But the thing is, is that like Jake Paul's doing that. He's usually utilizing all that hate. Now, Ben Askren does not represent Julian Marquez. Right. Ben Askren right. does not represent uh, mixed martial arts. He does not represent us. The thing is, is that martial arts, you're one person going into the octagon fighting. And when you win or lose or draw, you walk out there by yourself with that status. So when Jake, when Ben Askren went over to fight Jake Paul, he's not representing me because at the end of the day, I know that if it was, were an actual fight, if he's like, I got a lot of money, or I got more money than you, I would, I would be like, look, I can beat your ass. Yeah. And he would sit there and say everything. And I'm like, who's like, oh, boxing. I was like, no, no, no. Like if we fought right here, you're face to face, I will fuck you up. That's it. <laughs> and he wouldn't be able to say anything. He could say whatever he wants to try to say, but him and I both know that I would beat his ass. And that's the same thing as like Tyron Woodley. We both know he would win. Even you, you would beat up Jake Paul. And Jake knows this. So why would Jake ever want to fight you? Like, it's, it's all like, at the end of the day, I know that if I ever fought him, if I ever fought him the way that I fight, because my life is mixed martial arts, I would dominate him. And so it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt me if he wins via, you know, Knockout by Ben Askren. I think that's amazing. I think it's so awesome because one, it got a whole bunch of people talking. Everyone's over here trying to be like, oh, this, that, the other. Everybody's calling him out. Dude, I, I want to see him fight again. I want to see him fight another person that doesn't have any boxing credentials just to see everyone get mad. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> like, how can you get, like legitimately think about it? And you said that you were mad, and I, I, I understand that being a true martial artist respect it this that, and those he's not a martial artist no. he's a boxer you gotta take him for what he is yeah he's a boxer he's no canelo no 
You know what I mean? Like, he's no Canelo. Canelo would do what he wants. Lomachenko would do what he wants. Like, these guys have put years and time, in, and they look amazing. And you're like, okay. All it is, like, now I know, like, okay, go to Jake Paul, watch him box. He's going to throw that overhand right, which is deadly. Has a lot of power. He's knocked out a lot of people in the gym. And he's going to knock out any amateur boxer all day. But if you put him against a real boxer, it might not go as pretty. So let's let him make all that money. Let's let him make all the hype. Let's let him get the conversation on mixed martial arts and and boxing. Let's let him build it up because he's doing a fantastic job to get more eyes on the uh, combat sports. And I love it. And I think he has the potential to be bigger than a Conor McGregor type. I mean, you look at Conor and Conor had the same characteristics and, and the same attitude, the same craziness. But Connor had to earn his his place to cement that huge legacy. And you're talking, and this is what's amazing about this is like I remember thinking like the world was thinking like what the fuck is going up with with Connor or going on with Connor fighting Floyd Mayweather. This is a legitimate badass fighter who was a two time champion, two weight divisions fighting Floyd Mayweather. I mean, you have to assume that's not that crazy. It is crazy, but it's not that it's, it's not near as crazy as Jake Paul being a top 10 pay-per-view selling boxer and he's never fought a boxer and he's never fought somebody that even trains in boxing. So when you think about the fact that he's, he's pulled that shit off, it's like a, like a heist. It's like, he's doing stuff that like Connor couldn't even, Connor had to win those fights and, 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 and go that route. He's, he's going around yeah. the system and, and he's like, obtaining bigger success faster. And I think Brennan Schaub had a good point. He said, you know, we love Floyd Mayweather. We love Canelo. We know, we love Adrian Bronner. We have all these guys, but do you remember their first three fights? And he's like, no, you, nobody does. Nobody remembers their first three fights, but we remember Jake's and this is his first three fights and he's never fought a boxer and he has a top 10 pay-per-view of boxing. It's fucking unbelievable. So it's like, when you think of it like that, I mean, it's crazy, right? Look at it like this though. Look at it like this. So like, you say, like, we love Canelo. We love... Uh, this is what Brennan said. Know, this is what Brennan said. Brennan says, we love him. No, people don't love them. People want to see them lose. Yeah, That's most why people, they yeah. <laughs> right. That's literally why they pay for They want to see him... They, Some of them. You know how much was going against Floyd Mayweather to fight Conor McGregor? Like, they put ridiculous amount of money on Conor McGregor because they wanted to see Floyd lose. And it's just like... It, 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 it's that's why people pay is they want to see it lose. Now, Jake Paul and his YouTube buildup and everything they had prior to that, that's all the line of work he needed to get to the status he had. It was intelligent being the first YouTuber to switch over. And the thing is, is YouTube makes money. Yeah. It makes way more money. You could, there's like a five-year-old kid or like under 10-year-old that all he does is open up boxes of toys. He's one of the biggest paid YouTubers. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? I, my, I have two daughters, and they used to watch that all the time. They'd open up toys, and then you got to buy the toys, and they link the toys underneath. So not only are they getting sponsored by these toy companies, millions of dollars, and they're making tons of money. From, some, of these, some of these videos on YouTube have like 50 million views, 60 million views, 70 million views. Then they link the toys in the bio, how you can buy them, and then they get like, uh, like, a, like a, whatever it is, affiliate pay from the toys. So it's like these people are making crazy money and they're just literally opening toys and saying this is a cool toy and my daughter's like i want that toy and i got I'm like oh shit i gotta buy this toy now <laughs> it's that's the thing it's like so youtube pays that and like mma has not figured out to monetize that type of you know you know that, that type of technique now he has all that and look now he's doing the same thing yeah. he's bringing that youtube yeah. business mind into boxing and he's saying i got ben Askren. i'm gonna knock out ben Askren." 
and instead of everyone's like, oh, I want, I want that type of deal. It's like, I want you to lose. Like, you're not going to fight him. He's a professional athlete. He's this, that, and the other. And, and it's true. Like, you know, I saw Ben get mauled. I saw him take a wild ass knee by Jay Heron in their fight with each other. I saw him take a punishment by Robbie, Robbie Waller, Waller. Yeah, that was to see an overhand right crack him to the point where I'm like, damn, it was like that, that fast. But it was just, everybody wanted to see him lose. I just wanted to see more eyes get brought up to the combat sport. And I just, I love that entertainment, that, uh, that crazy stuff. And he used, he's using his platform. Great. And like I said, I, I, I cannot wait. You should challenge him to fight, dude. You should challenge him to box. <laughs> no way. He would never fight I me. Mean, no, I'm not famous or anything like enough to fight this guy. And I'm 41 years old. And I mean, I, I would definitely do it. I would definitely, I'm a striker. So I would definitely do it. But, and I train every day. But I, yeah, I would never get that opportunity. He's going to fight somebody with no striking. I've been, I've been training and striking for 30 years, you know, like at some form or another. Yeah. I've had 15 fights in the UFC. You know, it's like I, I, he's not going to fight me. He's not going to fight Tyron. He's going he's gonna to keep doing what he's doing, and it's going to keep building hype, and people's going to hate him or love him, and he's going to just keep doing what he's doing. So, like I said, you got to respect his game. And I think Dana White even came out and said the same thing. You know, you, you know he needs to – well, basically what I just said, you got to respect his game. He's, he's doing what needs to be done for that sport and kind of for like what you said, sports combat in general. Like, I mean, it is, it is creating him, including MMA fighters is still building hype for everyone kind of in, in a weird way, you know, even if he is beating ones that don't have striking. Think of those million followers that he had on YouTube They're that watching follow him fighting and that ride or die with him. They were like, who is Ben Askren? And they searched Ben Askren. Then they searched Ben Askren fights. And a lot of them were tied into UFC. I mean, obviously, they're going to look at Ben Askren in the knockout that he received by Jorge. So, like, they're going to watch that. And then they start diving. Like, oh, that's brutal. When you see that fight, I don't care if you're a non-fighter or if you're a fighter. If you see that fight, the first thing you're going to do is, like, I want to see more. Yeah. Like, you want to yeah. see more of that. So then they go into that. So he's bringing eyes in. Um, to the uh, combat world as well, the boxing world, MMA world, by doing these cross promotions, but uh, it—it's just—it's good for the sport. Like I, I would never get mad at somebody making their own money. You know, it's all an act. It's all a sell. We're in the entertainment business, and he's real good at entertainment. Yeah, that's it. It's true, man. It's true. He's winning the game right now. And uh, man, listen, I want to first of all I ask you real fast: Have you ever been in Thailand by chance? No, I haven't. I've always wanted to go, man. I, I see pictures all the time. Khalil Roundtree went up there. Yep. And we were talking about going prior to the pandemic, and then I have not been, but I would love to go out well, there. Well, I have an awesome place here, man. I've, I have, I have a, a big sports gym and uh, or, or fight gym, sports combat gym. Uh, and so anytime you want to come to Thailand and Phuket, which is one of the most beautiful islands in the world, hit me up, man. You have an open invitation. I'll take care of you, take you to the islands. We'll get some training in, and uh, you'll have an amazing time. And I want to say thank you so much for taking time out for coming on the show. I'd love to check in with you again before uh, maybe your next fight when you get signed and just do a quick update and see how you're doing, seeing how your fight camp went. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time out for being on my show. It's been great talking to you, man. I love your personality, and I had a great time. Thank you, brother. I appreciate everything. Thanks for having me on. You're amazing. All right, brother. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon. And heal one. up. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. We'll do. Bye.